There can be no relationship if there's no communication. Communication takes two. Where there are two people who speak regularly together, you'll almost always find a solid relationship. The only way we can know each other's heart and mind is by listening to one another and by being vulnerable enough to share our thoughts and feelings. Thanks for joining us for this week's Cross Church podcast. As you listen to today's message, we hope you'll be challenged to gain excellence in all your relationships and find out how to keep them growing healthy and strong. By the way, if you'd like to know more about Cross Church and find out how to get connected with the life of the church, we invite you to explore our website, www.crosschurch.ca. You'll find information about all the exciting programs and events that you and your family can get involved in. In today's message, Pastor Alan talks about the importance of communication in all our relationships. After you listen to this message, we dare you to go and have a meaningful conversation with the important people in your life. We believe it will produce instant improvements. With part four of the sermon series, Healthy Relationships, here now is Pastor Alan. Well, good morning, everyone. So glad to have you here today. Uh, listening to the to, to the video there, uh, did everybody get it or hear it? I think this section got it the best. They're laughing their heads off. Everybody else was, I don't know if it's a sound or what. To me, they sound like munchkins. <laughs> but so good to have you here today. We're talking um, about communication. If you haven't caught that yet, we're in our last of the last of the series, and this morning. My prayer, my, des- my great prayer, my great desire is to see each and every one of us become experts in communication. My grandmother was a character. She had a friend, her name was Ann Haley, who used to call her. And uh, Ann used to love to talk to my grandma for hours on end. And uh, this woman would talk and hardly take a breath. And it was the days when there were no cordless phones. Does anybody remember those days? No cordless phones and... And if you really needed to work around the house, you had to get a 20-foot-long cord. Anybody remember those days? Well, we're talking about the days when you couldn't even get 20-foot-long cords. It was was like you are stuck to that phone until whoever's on the other end is done. So what my grandmother would do is that she would just, she'd be on the phone listening, not talking, listening. She'd put the phone down, go to the room, into the kitchen, make herself a, cup, herself a cup of coffee, come back, say yes, yes, put the phone down, go, go do a few other things that she had it to do. And I don't know if she was doing it, uh, if it was something she always did, or if she was just doing it for effect to get a laugh out of us kids. But I can remember thinking how naughty this was, but how hilarious it was. The problem with Anne Halley is that she did not know how to communicate. And you might sit here thinking, well, Anybody who can talk for two or three hours on end, surely that person knows how to communicate. No, that person knows how to talk. They don't know how to communicate. As you're going to see in just a moment, there's a big difference between just talking and truly communicating. So as we complete this series on healthy relationships, we want to talk about how to have healthy communication. A healthy relationship cannot exist where there is no healthy communication. So you say, Pastor Owen, what exactly is healthy uh, communication? And it's this, very simply. It's when two people exchange their thoughts, their feelings, their ideas. Look at this definition. It's a great definition of communication. Communication is a continuous or two-way process of reaching mutual understanding. So let's just stop there for a moment. 
It's a two-way process. It's not a one-way process. If, you're the, if you are, are talking to somebody or basically listening to somebody, you are not communicating. It's a two-way process where you both gain understanding. You both understand what the other person is thinking, feeling, uh, expressing. You both come away from that conversation feeling as though your hearts had connected. So the definition goes on to say this, in which participants not only exchange information and news and ideas and feelings, but also create and share new meanings. And so the best way that I can describe that last phrase, creating uh, and sharing new meaning, is this morning in the first service, we had Scott and Laura sitting here. Uh, We've just got Scott, I don't know, did you lose her? She's got somewhere. They, They just got engaged. Can we give them a hand? So, uh, Scott, let's stand up let everybody see who you are. He's one of our interns, and um, he's getting married. When you see Laura, his wife-to-be, when you see her in the atrium, uh, just start clapping for her because she missed out on it. Would you do that for me? That'd be great. So, here's what's happening. Scott and Laura are making a life together. They are sharing new ideas, they're sharing new experiences, new feelings, new ideas, things that, things that have never, ever happened before between these two individuals. They are creating something special, something that will last forever. That is really what communication is. It's when two hearts connect and you are creating something that has never existed before. Some would call it something almost magical. You could call it that if you want. I will say this to you, it's, it's what it truly means to, to live and to act as people who've been created in the image of God. Two people coming together and expressing and sharing their thoughts, their hopes, their feelings, their desires, their wants, their wishes, their dreams, creating a brand new life. The sad thing is that for so many people, they just do not communicate and we've seen that. I've seen it happen too many times. People come together, they get married, and then within just a short time, they've lost interest in each other, and before long, their marriage is coming to an end. What happened? What, how does that happen? I'll tell you very simply. It happens because somewhere along the line, these two individuals have stopped communicating. You say, Pastor Allen, you've got to explain that. Well, I'm going to explain it in just a moment. But before I do, let's just stop and take a a look at modern conversation. And I got to tell you, I despair it sometimes and wonder if the art of conversation is lost forever. And there's two two reasons for this. First of all, uh, because of that cursed cell phone. And I, I know I've done this. I'm sure you've done this too. You've sat down with somebody. You say, let's go for coffee together. You sit down for coffee. And the next thing you know, both of you are on your cell phones. You're texting somebody. You're emailing somebody. You're checking something on Google. But you're not really having a conversation. You are sitting there basically having coffee together and texting other people together. It makes no sense. The other reason, the other reason that I feel a sense of despair over the art of conversation and true communication is that we seem to be living in a day and an age when it's okay to interrupt each other. How many know what I'm talking about? I've been sick this past week, really, really sick, and I couldn't think, I couldn't read, and so I just mindlessly put the TV on, watched CNN News, 
um, and, and the, the daytime fair. And a lot of what happens during the daytime is what we call these daytime talk shows. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And the, and the first one in the morning that, that I saw was uh, live with Kelly and, and Michael. And if anybody's seen that, it used to be Regis and Kathy Lee. Now it's Kelly and Michael. And then on comes the view. And then there's the chew. And then there's the talk. And I, I Googled it. There's some 27 different talk shows that happen through the course of every week. It's, it's just mind-boggling, really. Not to mention the news and the talking heads and the commentators. Now, here's the thing that they all have in common. Nobody seems to be listening to anybody. Everybody is interrupting each other and talking over one another. When I listened to The View, these, there's six women sitting at the table, all talking at once. Nobody listening to everybody. Everybody spouting out their view. It made me want to take my pen and poke myself in the eye. It was that brutal. I got that from Janet. I, I, impossible to hear what's going on. You're, you're trying to follow the conversation. Nobody's, nobody's listening to anybody. and Everybody is giving their point of view. Everybody is sharing their thoughts, their ideas. So we've looked at this definition of communication, and we recognize that true communication is a two-way process. And I can tell you that that did not happen in any of the talk shows or, the, or the, even the TV news uh, uh, programs that I watched. It was basically everybody waiting for the other person to shut up so that they could get their point of view across. That's the, that's the culture we live in now. We don't listen to one another. And quite frankly, if the truth be known, we really don't care what other people think or feel. We just want to make sure that we're heard, that we're understood. And I'm going to tell you, that is the beginning of the breakdown in relationships. This is the beginning of the breakdown in relationships, period. So, what I want to do is I'd like us to look at the scripture to see what the Bible says about communicating with one another, the importance of communicating with one another. And as we talk about healthy relationships, we have to talk about, about communicating as part of that which creates a healthy relationship. And I'm going to tell you right off, because some of you are scratching your head and wondering, well, where in the Bible does it say you're supposed to communicate with one another? So I'm going to just say it right now. Nowhere does it explicitly say, thou shalt communicate with your wife. Thou shalt listen to your husband. Thou shalt talk to your friends. It doesn't, there's no scripture verse that explicitly commands or demands that. However, if you're familiar with scripture, then you know that implied from Genesis to Revelation... Implied is the importance of communicating with one another. It could be said that the Jewish faith and the Jewish people took for granted what we struggle with today. They took for granted the importance of truly communicating, where one heart connects to another heart, where one mind connects to another mind. Their way of life and their religion was centered in communication with one another and with God. And you'll see that what I'm saying in just a moment. Now, there's a few good reasons for this. The first reason, of course, is that they lived in a day and an age where there was no cell phone, there was no internet, there were no emails, there was no TV, no texting. Basically, in the evening, you sat down and all you had was the people you're sitting in the room with. That was all you had. And so it's it's either sit there with crickets or sit there and talk to each other. 
So there we go. Their culture, the era in which they lived, forced some measure of communication. (laughs) But we see that the Bible also instructs these people to communicate. Look what it says here in Deuteronomy 11, 18 to 19. (laughs) Excuse me. God says this to the children of Israel, to the Israelite people. And remember, this is their faith. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. We just stop there for a moment. So right off the bat, we recognize that, that this faith is a faith where God communicates with his people. This is fundamental to this faith. It's a communicating faith where God communicates with his people and his people communicate with their God. Now, God communicates with his people through, what, through this book. We call it the Bible, or another way to put it is the Word of God. That's why we call it the Word of God. It's because this book is God speaking to us. And by the way, if you haven't yet picked up a Bible and read it, you need to do that. You need to allow God to speak to you. But God also asks us to speak to him. We call that prayer. Now, there is no relationship with God unless there is Two-way communication going on. Remember our definition. It's a two-way communication. We talk to God through prayer. God speaks to us through his word. And then God, then God goes on to say this. Now, you have heard these words of mine. Now I want you to commit yourself wholeheartedly to them. And now teach them to your children. Now watch this. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. So you quickly understand that this Jewish faith is a a faith where God communicates with his people and God expects his people to communicate with each other, to discuss their faith, to ask questions about their faith, to get to know one another, to understand how that word applies to their lives and to their children and to their spouse and so on and so forth. It's a communicating religion. God's communicating with his people. God commands his people people communicate with each other. We fast forward now into the New Testament. Jesus calls for himself 12 disciples, and they're watching him. They're following him, asking questions, doing what he does, listening to what he says, trying to live it out. They're scratching their head. They're asking more questions. And we see Jesus formulating a relationship with his disciples where he's talking to them and they are talking to him. It's back and forth. But every now and again, Jesus disappears. And the disciples wake up in the morning, where did he go? Where is he? And so they started paying attention to this habit of Christ where he would disappear And they began to follow him to see where he's going and what he's doing. And they quickly discovered that not only did Jesus communicate with his disciples, but he went and he communicated with the Father. And this intrigued them because they wanted to learn how they could also communicate with the Father. And so here's what we read in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord... Teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, here's here's what you need to get here. These disciples understood that the only way that they could have a relationship with God 
is by learning how to communicate with their God. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. The only way that they could have a relationship with God is by learning how to communicate with God. Now, I think it's really interesting that Jesus didn't begin his ministry by saying to his disciples, okay, everybody line up now and, and, and I'm going to teach you how to pray. You know, everybody learn how to kneel, learn how to put your hands together. No, he, Jesus waited until they were intrigued, until something inside of them was hungry and they also wanted to learn to do what he's doing. And so they're, they're like watching him. Is his eyes open, his eyes closed, his hands together. What's going on? What's he saying? Jesus, we notice that you've got a relationship with God. Could you teach us how to do that? And Jesus said, I thought you'd never ask. Well, I don't know if he exactly said that. But he was ready. And he said, here's what you do. And then Jesus gives his disciples an outline. He says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, understand something. Jesus was not just giving them a formula. It's not a magic incantation. Our Father, which art in heaven, I'll be that. No, what he's doing is he's giving them an outline to follow so that they know what exactly they should pray. Folks, you know, sometimes when I go through the Lord's Prayer, it could take me two, two, three hours, depending on how much time I've got. It's just an outline. You put flesh on that outline. It's a skeleton that teaches you what to say to God. And then we find Jesus, just before he's done his earthly ministry, before he goes to the cross, he tells his disciples to come together on a regular basis to celebrate what we call communion. By the way, next week we're going to be celebrating communion here. Communion, in case you don't know, it simply means, well, it comes from that word common, what we have in common. It's coming together to commune, the word commune, to share and talk intimately with one another. And this is something that we, we understand is part of our faith. It's not explicit, but it's implicit throughout the Scripture. We communicate with each other. We commune with one another. We connect with one another. Our hearts connect with each other. My heart connects with my wife's heart. My mind connects with my, with my wife's mind. And the same thing with my kids. We connect. We talk. Because that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Judaism and Christianity, then, are rooted in the understanding that, that to love God and to love each other means that we communicate. Now, in case anybody doesn't know what I'm, where I'm, what I'm driving at here, remember we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Je Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says it's simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and do what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Truly loving God and truly loving each other means that we communicate. Remember, there can be no relationship if there is no communication. Now, let's do some self-examination this morning. What's happening in your marriage? What's happening in your household? Are you communicating with your kids? Are you communicating with your wife? What about the people you work with? And I can tell you this right now, that if you are not communicating 
with your children, with your wife, your husband, with the people you work with, then you do not have a relationship with them. You say, Pastor Ellen, I've got a ring on my finger. <coughs> You've got a contract, but you don't have a relationship. And for so many of us, we take for granted that ring on our finger. We take for granted that family that we have and those kids that we have. And God's calling you and me to come to a brand new understanding and a whole brand new level of relationship. We call it healthy relationship. Where we learn what it means to communicate. Now, how should we communicate and what should we communicate? Some of you men here today are thinking to yourself, well, Pastor Allen, it's so easy for you to say that we need to communicate but the fact of the matter is, I heard once, Pastor Allen, that, that women talk far more than men. And so therefore, she's the one that's got to do the talking, and I'll just sit and listen. Okay, so I'm going to blow this right out of the water. About 10 years ago, uh, the founder and the director of the University of California's San Francisco Women's Mood and Hormone Clinic, I'm getting onto thin ice here, Luann Brizendine is her name. She wrote a book called The Female Brain. No man would dare write a book like that, but she wrote the book called The Female Brain. And so one of the most cited gems within these pages was a claim that women are chatterboxes speaking on average 20,000 words per day, nearly three times the mere 7,000 words that men spoke every day. Now that, is, that was her claim. Ready? So guys... You know, we hear those words and we think, well, that explains everything. That's why I can't communicate with my wife. She's a chatterbox, and I'm not. She speaks 20,000 words a day, and I only speak 7,000. So, you know, we're, we've got, a, we've got a, a, an excuse, right? Well, James Pennebaker, chair of the University of Texas at Austin's psychology department, says he was skeptical when he heard those, those uh, statistics. He thought that they were lopsided. So he did his own study. And he equipped several hundred men and several hundred women with the special devices that listened in on their conversation, recorded, recording the words that were spoken. Now, I won't get into all the details of that, but in the end, here's what he discovered. He discovered that the sexes, men and women, that is, came out just about even in the daily average. Women at 16,215 words and men at 15,669 words. Virtually no difference. Now this is really quite shocking to him. Because the notion or the stereotype of women is that they were chatterboxes. Now it wasn't a guy that said that, it was a woman who said that. Okay, so God, ladies settle down. But here's what he did discover. He said that men showed a slightly wider variability in words uttered boasting both the most economical speaker and the most verbose yapping at a whopping 47,000 words a day versus 500 words a day. With the women, it was pretty much the same, but with men, it, it varied. Some would speak up to 500 words, some up to 47,000 words a day, more than double what the average woman speaks. Now, here's what he, here's what he comes out with. He says, he discovered that 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 was the difference between men and women, except that women tended to speak more about other people, 
whereas men were apt to talk more about concrete objects. And he goes on to say, so that the stereotypes, stereotypes of ladies as gossips and guys engaging in car talk can actually live on. I thought that was quite funny. So here's what you and I understand. We are all talkers. Female, male, it doesn't matter. We all talk. The, the thing is, we just talk about different things. So then you say, well, Pastor, how on earth can we reconcile this? How can we get women who like to talk about people and feelings, how can we get them to talk with men who like to talk about things like cars and fishing and, and other guys' stuff? Well, if you are not paying attention up to this point, here's where you've got to really tune in. Because I'm going to give you the secret to excellent communication. This is going to change everything if you catch what I'm going to tell you now. The real difficulty in any communication, whether it's about husband, between husband and wife, or between parent and child, or between workmate and, uh, and workmate, between one neighbor and another neighbor, is this. It comes down to interest. It comes down to interest. And the question is this, are you interested in the other person? The only way that you can communicate with your wife or your children or your husband or your neighbor or anything else or anybody else is that you actually have to be interested in them and what they've got to say. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, this sums up the law of God. To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength is to be interested in the things of God to want to know him, want to understand him, to want to know his will, to want to know his direction. You've got to be interested in it. And we all know that there's some people, frankly, who just aren't interested in God. That's why they don't go to church, and that's why they don't want anything to do with, with church. Now, it's interesting because we look at that and we say, aha, uh-huh, this person is not interested in God. And we know it because they have no interest in talking to God. They've got no interest in getting to know God. They've got no interest in reading what God has to say. And they've got no, reason, no, no interest in talking to God. But now let's flip this around. Same thing applies to people. Some people just simply are not interested in what their wife has to say. They don't care. He doesn't care about her day. He doesn't care about her feelings. He doesn't care what she wants or what she doesn't want. She's just simply, he's simply not interested in her. And vice versa. He's not, she's not interested in him. Doesn't want to know about his day. Doesn't really care about his business. Doesn't care. But his likes and dislikes. Some of us struggle with our kids. At the end of the long day, I'm not really interested in what a two-year-old has to say. I'm not really interested in what my teenager has to say. And then we wonder why our relationships are so unhealthy and why they're falling apart. I'm going to tell you right now, you can literally change your marriage, change your, your family life, change your work life. You could actually change it, like, immediately, instantly. All you have to do is begin to express an interest or show an interest in that person in your life. And my question is this, are you willing to do that? Are you choosing 
Are you willing to be are you willing to choose to be interested in the people in your life? Now, I look around here today as your pastor. I know a lot of you, most of you. There's a few people that I don't know very well, and I don't know why that is. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you see me coming and take off the other direction. I don't know, because I'd like to talk to you. Not to freak you out or anything. I'd like to be your friend. But those who I do know, I know a lot about you. I know, I know where you live. <laughs> I know what you do for a living. I know whether you're married or first marriage, second marriage. I know whether you've got kids. I know your kids' names. I know a lot about you. You say, well, Pastor Allen, that's because, because you have to, because you're the pastor. No, I don't. I don't, have to, I don't have to be interested in these things. I know a lot of pastors that don't know their congregation. I know lots of pastors that don't know the names of the people that go to their church. They don't know anything about the people. They believe that their job is to be there to preach the word of God. But you see, I understand that my calling, the calling on my life, is not just to preach the word of God. My job is to be your pastor and to care about you and to know you and to pray for you. Want to know something? I learned really, really early in my life how to have great communication with people. And I learned it through my parents. I've got, this is one of the great things that I learned from my parents. Incredible. They are fantastic listeners and conversationalists. We could sit literally and talk for hours on end because it's a, remember we said in the definition, it's a two-way conversation. And I learned this from my parents, who will ask the question, how are you today? And this was my whole, my whole life through. My dad would phone me and say, hi, Alan, where are you? I'm 53, still does that. Hi, Alan, where are you? Who are you with? What are you doing? Why are you doing that? He's interested in my life. Cares about me. Wants to know what's going on in my world. I was thinking about you today, Alan. How's it going? Is it going well? Now, I'm going to tell you this, that where there are people who are interested in each other and interested enough to talk to each other and to communicate with each other, there you're going to find true love. There you're going to find a healthy relationship. You show me two people where they're not interested in each other, I'm going to show you a marriage that's about to come to an end. I'm going to show you kids who are about to rebel against their parents so bad, it'll, it'll make their heads spin. I'm going to show you employees that are about to lose their job. Now, I'm going to tell you right now that this does not come easily to most of us. In fact, I would say that it doesn't come easy to any of us because we've said this time and again, by nature, we are self-centered. We would rather be heard than here. Rather be understood than understand. And if you're going to have healthy relationships, then you're going to have to learn what it means to actually be interested in the other person. I would suggest that if you know that you're a talker, that you try an experiment. Maybe do it today at lunchtime. Make up your mind not to talk. 
Make up your mind to be the one who does all the listening and asking questions and finding out. You know, I've got people who are my friends that don't know anything about me. We've been friends for years, and they still don't know anything about me. And why is that? Because they just simply aren't interested. Are you that person? Are you interested enough to listen? Because if you are, then I'm going to tell you that this will be life-changing for your marriage. This will be life-changing for your relationship with your kids. I was thinking about my own life and thinking about, well, what are my interests? If anybody asks, Alan, what are your interests? I'm going to tell you this, and please don't anybody laugh at me, okay? I'm going to be vulnerable right now. I became a Christian when I was eight years old. And it was such a powerful experience with God that it intrigued me and it became almost like an obsession, a holy obsession, a beautiful obsession. The thing that interested me most is I wanted to know more about God. I wanted to know more about the Word of God. I remember in grade five getting my, my Gideon's New Testament. How many remember those? those and I memorized the, the Ten Commandments. I memorized the Beatitudes. I memorized all those collections of scriptures because it so intrigued me, I couldn't get enough of it. And at a young age, I felt a call to the ministry. I knew I was going to be a pastor someday. And uh, I just couldn't get enough of it. As soon as I was old enough, I started teaching Sunday school. As soon as I was old enough, I started counseling at camp. I just couldn't get enough of God the church, theology. When I was in grade eight, my parents asked me, what do you want for your birthday or for Christmas? And most kids are saying, well, I'd like a dirt bike or something. I was saying, can I have a Bible? And not just any Bible. I'd like a leather-bound Bible, a Thompson chain reference Bible. And I got it. And where others would look and say, what kind of a weirdo kid wants a Bible for Christmas? I genuinely wanted that. I was genuinely interested in that. But here's what I discovered, folks. I discovered that I was a strange kid. I discovered that there are very few people that were interested in these things to the level that I was interested in them. And if I was going to have any friends or any relationships, I was going to have to learn how to be interested in what other people were interested in. If I was going to get along with my brothers, I was going to have to be interested in what they were interested in. And the big thing in our family where my brother, four years older than me, was in cars. He had a Dodge van that he, remember the term, we used the term souped it up? Anybody remember that term? Nobody? Okay, well, that's what they used to call it. And to soup it up meant you put on all kinds of, of you know, fancy rails and chrome and, and, uh, and mag wheels. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We put mag wheels on everything at our house, right, Dad? On the, we had a 46 Dodge. It had mag wheels on it. Uh, I think they fell off driving, I, and we had it on the van. My brother had mag wheels on every, everything. It had chrome and silver and lights, and it was just very Filipino for, <laughs> for the day. <laughs> well, my dad, being wise, he actually said, you know, you need to learn how to do this stuff as well. You, I mean, obviously you can't just live in your Bible 24-7. And so I, I learned how to replace brake shoes. That'll be, that'll be of interest to Matt Taylor. Uh, I learned how to I replace carburetors. I learned how to fix all kinds of... I, mean, I learned how to... I, I knew everything about cars, too. I learned what interested my sister. She loved reading classics, the classics. Um, I started reading the classics. My mom 
taught Sunday school. I started teaching Sunday school. Loved it. My dad loved music. Sometimes you get on the piano and start playing. A lot of people don't know that about my dad. Plays a guitar, plays a harmonica. I went and bought a harmonica because my dad played a harmonica, and his dad played a harmonica. And, and so I do play the harmonica. Thank you. I listen to music that I didn't listen to when I was in my teens, but my kids like it now, so I'm learning to like that because they listen to it. In fact, Jesse has got me interested in, to, in all kinds of music that I wouldn't normally go to, but because it interests my son, it interests me. And so I've got a good relationship with my kids. And I could go on and on and on. I can tell you I've got great relationships with the people in my life, and it's not by accident. It's by design and by great effort. If you want to have a strong relationship with your wife, then all it takes is being interested in her. And if you want her to feel that you love her, that she's the most important person in, the life, in your life, then here's what you're going to do. You're going to sit down, turn your phone off. Turn the TV off or anything else that makes you squirrel that distracts you. Turn it all off, look her straight in the eyes, and say, how was your day today, dear? And then don't fall asleep. <laughs> don't yawn. Don't doodle. Look her in the eyes and listen to her. You say, Pastor Ellen, that sounds awfully boring. Why don't we tell you something? Your life is probably just as boring to her. But because she loves you, she's willing to listen to you. And you and I need to understand today that if we're going to have healthy relationships, it's going to come because you and I have learned how to communicate in a healthy way. Would you stand with me, please? Father, thank you for your power and your strength and your Holy Spirit who helps us have excellent relationships. We're praying now, God, for the grace and the wisdom to communicate with each other in a way where there is actual two-way communication happening, where we're not just listening, but we're talking. We're not just talking, but we're listening. God, give us the grace, we pray, to look each other in the eyes and actually hear each other's hearts. And we pray all that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Now, before you move, I dare you, I dare you to go look someone in the eyes and say, how are you? And I dare you not to look at your phone. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs>